Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Hey, Fidelity, how can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Hi, everyone, and thanks for downloading another weekly episode of the Money Girl podcast. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance expert and author based in Austin, Texas. I've been producing this show since 2008. Can't believe this summer will be 10 years of doing Money Girl. I still love producing this show week after week. It's such a fun way for me to connect with people, to learn new topics, and to have interesting people on the show to interview. And that's what we're going to do today. Before we get started, I have a quick request. If you've been enjoying the show, but you have not submitted a quick five-star review on Apple Podcasts yet, please take a moment to do that. Your feedback is really, really important to me. I read every single review. But more than that, the reviews tell new listeners what to expect from the show. And the more ratings and reviews we have, the more we get featured. So the more people can find us, join this community, and ultimately live richer lives. So thanks in advance for that. Also, you'll find the notes for each episode, plus the complete archive of podcasts on the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. I know many of you are thinking about becoming your own boss, either full-time or just starting a venture on the side to earn more money, which is exactly how I got started as an entrepreneur. You want more freedom, you want the flexibility to work when and where you want, whether that's from home, a coffee shop, or while you travel. I do all of those working for myself. So if you want to start a business or just start making extra money on the side, there are key considerations and tasks that you need to complete first that will definitely increase your chances of success. And I wanted to discuss this topic with a friend and another successful entrepreneur I know who would definitely have a lot to add to this conversation and give you a lot of tips and advice on how to get started. So today you're going to hear my conversation with Philip Taylor, who goes by P.T. for short. P.T. is a former practicing CPA. He's a blogger, a podcaster, a husband, and a father of three. He created ptmoney.com over a decade ago, and it's a site that helps readers move toward financial independence. He's also the founder and CEO of FinCon. That's a conference and community dedicated to helping other financial influencers and brands. That's how I originally got to know PT was being a speaker at FinCon. Some of the money-making topics we cover in our conversation include 
how being risk averse can work to your advantage when you're starting a business. Whether passive income is a dream or can really be a business reality, some of the best ways to prepare financially before starting a business or side venture, the financial account you should have before making your very first sale, when to consider incorporating types of businesses you can start with no money, tax deductions for your small business or your home office, and a lot more. And speaking of taxes, I know this is a topic that trips up a lot of people, so I created a free resource that will make dealing with taxes for your small business or your side venture a lot easier. This guide covers everything you need to know. It's the what, when, and how of paying taxes for your business or startup. If you want to get this free download, it's called the Business Tax Toolkit. And if you'd like to download it for free, all you need to do is text the phrase tax tool, T-A-X-T-O-O-L with no space to the number 33444 and you'll get it right away. This is episode number 547 called Considering Starting a Business, Tips to Make Money on the Side. PT, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Um, Big fan and anxious to be chatting with you. Yeah, so you and I started our financial journey really about the same time. Um, When I was preparing to talk to you and looking back at your timeline, you started blogging in 2007. Is that right? That's right. Yep. April 2007. Yeah. So we both started then and we have a lot in common because we're both pretty passionate about personal finance and Mm -hmm. communicating topics to people. And you actually not only turned your blog into a very successful business, but then you branched out into other businesses. So I'm really curious to kind of talk about your journey there because I know a lot of people who are listening are probably interested in having some side gig money, Mm -hmm. whether they do it part-time or full-time and maybe are struggling with how to make that leap. So how did you do that? How did you go from working as a CPA, like big-time job in the, in the <laughs> auditing business? How did, you, how did you make that leap into working for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. In a nutshell, I did it on the side. You know, it was a side hustle, really. And it was something that uh, I did while I was fixing my my financial life. So when I would come home at night, uh, I would work on the blog when I would come, you know, on the weekends, I would work on my blog and maybe some at work, too. Um, I was using every waking moment I could uh, other than when I was dedicated to my family or, or my you know, my career um, to start working on this little business. And at the time, it was kind of a hobby slash business. So I wasn't fully committed to it, but um, I really was passionate about it like you. Um, and so uh, just just through the years, uh, you know, well, it took me three years from the time I, I started it uh, as that hobby side hustle thing to, to when it became uh, a full-time gig. And I would just say, you know, time spent doing it, learning from others who are doing sort of the same thing, really networking, interacting with them, dedicating my, you know, all my extra time to it and uh, just pouring my heart and soul into it, you know, every day until I could figure it out. I did the exact same thing. <laughs> and I didn't even tell anybody um, at my job that I had. Back then, I was working in um, in management. I was managing a floor cover- covering company as a as an operator and manager of this, this really fast-growing business. And I didn't tell anybody what I was doing on the side, not even when I was writing a book. I, I kept it to myself. And I think I did that for a couple reasons. I was afraid that they may think that I wasn't committed 
committed to my job and they wouldn't realize that I really was doing it on the side. I wasn't taking up, you know, working time to to work on my own projects. And I was also, I think, a little nervous maybe that what if it doesn't work out? You know, what if I say I'm doing all this great stuff and it really doesn't pan out? So I'm curious if you felt any of those same kind of feelings and anxieties when you got started. Absolutely. And, and on top of that, I was talking about my own personal finances. So I was actually revealing a lot of personal things. And so for the first few years of the business, I went by an acronym, just PT, and uh, didn't really tell anyone this was my actual thing. So for the first few years, no one actually knew that it was me. And I didn't tell anyone, maybe my mom, a few other people. But uh, I sort of did this project in, 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 uh, in the shadows, so to speak. Um, and so that also protected me with my career and my job and things like that. So I was very cautious and very conservative guy. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until about two years into it where I really could see, well, okay, well, maybe this could become something um, that, uh, you know, that could potentially be like the, an actual full-time business for me. And it was at that time where I fully committed to fixing my financial life. And I was sort of already doing that, but at that, when I could see it over the horizon, maybe this could be my thing. It's like we ratcheted down, like paying off all our debts, uh, saving up extra money, giving us a big on-ramp so that if, and when we did, I did choose to make that leap, I would be financially ready as well. And I think that's a, what a lot of entrepreneurs maybe skip out on initially it, because there's oftentimes an entrepreneur is a very, ri- you know, risky type person. They're willing to take risk. Uh, but I was super risk averse. And so, you know, I, I really tried to create that financial runway for myself and, and um, have it all sort of lined out. And so I think that three year time frame and that time in the shadows, so to speak, allowed me to kind of uh, quietly prepare um, and do the things necessary to, to uh, be out on my own and be a, a business owner. I'm also very risk averse, and I think many entrepreneurs sort of get the get a bad rap as being people who are very risk tolerant, when in reality, they're just really good at managing risk. Mm. And I, I always made sure that my income streams were overlapping. So if I was pulling one back as I was, uh, and actually I went part-time when I was working, and that was during the recession. So there was a lot of downsizing and stuff going on in my company. So it was a good time for me to kind of pull back and say, hey, you maybe can't afford me you know, <laughs> anymore. Let, let, let me go part-time. Mm-hmm. And then in that, in my extra time, I was working on other projects. So there was this kind of easing, easing the foot off the gas, mm-hmm. you know, in one in in one way and then pushing the gas in another way so that I made sure that I was never sort of abruptly stopping an income stream. Yep. I like that. So smart. In fact, uh, sub, I think subconsciously, I actually changed careers during that period. And uh, the re- one of the reasons I did was it was sort of a downsize in terms of responsibility and hours. And so I knew in the back of my mind, hey, this would actually give me more time to do you know, my side hustle and maybe, maybe make it become a thing. So I was actually downshifting some in my career as well. Some of the things you talk about before you start a business are, number one, brushing up on your fundamentals. So, mm-hmm. you know, what do you mean by that? If somebody's thinking about starting some type of side gig, what should they do? I mean, should they just kind of go for it and try it out? Or should they be a little bit more conservative and begin by, I don't mm-hmm. know, getting some education or certification? I guess it depends on exactly what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. Most uh, side hustles. Most businesses can start with little or no you know, money in- invested or you know time invested. But it always makes sense for me 
to find out as much information as possible, which is freely available with the employer, a potential uh, side side gig platform you're going to be using, whether it's an Uber or um, you know something like a favor. Um, educate yourself on sort of how the programs work as much as possible. Check it against, uh, do some searching against sort of your local jurisdiction to see if there are any regulations or rules that you need to be following. Uh, just sort of understand the entire business landscape of what you're tr- about to do, right? So ask other people who are in the industry doing things, find out, you know, what are some of the difficulties they're facing. So, you know, you, you may look at this side hustle and say, oh, this really looks great or this idea is fantastic. And I really want people to kind of stay with that energy. And I think there's something to be said for just taking that and going for it. But um, understand the landscape you're going to be jumping into. Um, do some research. Again, check with your local jurisdictions to find out if there are any rules or regulations you need to be following or certifications you need to have, certainly, to to do it right. And you talked about this earlier, saving money. You know, I think no matter Mm -hmm. what, having some cash reserves there gives you the confidence and the ability to kind of ease off your income stream that you're currently you're relying on. And, you know, it also gives you the confidence that, hey, if something doesn't pan out with this idea, well, you know, it's okay. Maybe I've invested a little bit of money and time in it, but I've also got some savings to to back me up. Was there a certain amount of money or income that you felt like you had to achieve before you finally said, okay, I'm done being a CPA and I'm Mm going to do this, uh, you know, this self-employment thing full time? Yeah, it was really, it was about a half of my income, what I replaced. And uh, there was also the the health insurance factor as well. And so uh, once I started researching that and getting comfortable with how was I going to pay for that and how much it was actually going to be. Um, and then I got to a point where I was like, we're willing to do it, you know, let's, let's go for it. And so, yeah, about half my income, I think I was, I was at. And then once that, like I said, once I'd figured out the health insurance thing. Awesome. PT, let's take a short break so I can thank the sponsors who make Money Girl possible. Money Girl is sponsored by Claritin. If you're like me and you suffer from allergies, you know this time of year can be pretty rough. There's a lot of sneezing, itchy eyes, congestion, and they can really hold you back from living the life you want to live. Luckily, for those with allergies, you can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This is a product designed for serious allergy sufferers. It's got two ingredients in one pill that relieve allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combo of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant relieves all the symptoms that you suffer. And what I love about Claritin D is that it starts working in as little as 30 minutes. Plus, it's non-drowsy, so you can still make the most of your day. I can take Claritin D and then get on the mic and record a podcast without being too congested. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. 
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Tell me about the types of sacrifices that you've had to make to get where you are today. We saved half of our income. So my wife at the time was also working. And so we decided to save half of our income. It, it, it didn't really feel that much of a stretch, to be honest with you. But I guess in today's culture, most people try to live off both incomes. And for us, we avoided that two income trap and saved all, you know, all of one of our incomes. Um, and so I think that, uh, was probably the biggest sacrifice. We've also avoided new car purchases. So we try to, you know, uh, purchase new or sorry, used cars that uh, we can pay for in cash through the years. And, and, and certainly as we've started to make more income, you know, new ones, but make sure we pay them in cash, um, avoid any kind of ongoing debt or expense, um, but as we honest with you, it hasn't felt very, uh, I haven't felt very deprived. So uh, I've done it, I guess, in a, in a gradual way through the years where it wasn't uh, necessarily dropping the frog in the boiling water, so to speak. I think early on, you know, for me, it was definitely a sacrifice of time more than anything. You know, I can remember recording podcasts at two and three in the morning, you know, trying to get something uploaded <laughs> or published um, after work and, and you know, feeling like, like I was kind of working around the clock. Um, yeah. I, I feel the same way that it, it well, even though there have been a lot of sacrifices, it's always felt like fun and felt like something that I always wanted to do. And I think that is kind of the key, because if you don't really love what you're doing, you're not going to be up at 3 a.m. publishing something online, right? That's that's a good point. And when it comes to time, I've definitely sacrificed. I've got a little family, and I'm, it's constantly a push-pull between uh, family time and business time. And I, I love both passionately, and so I have to really uh, make sure I'm not sacrificing uh, one for the other. What are the different types of income streams that you've created for yourself over the years? So right now, I have three main income streams. Uh, one is PT Money, Personal Finance, my blog. And it produces income through affiliate marketing and display ads and some uh, sponsored posts. And so uh, that is one 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 place. And the other is FinCon, my annual conference for financial media. And that is the bigger business now. It's about 10 times as big, actually. And uh, that was started as a side hustle as well. Once I got PT Money going, I started, decided I needed another side hustle. So I started uh, FinCon, and that's uh, that's become an additional stream of income every year. And then I also own a rental property. So I have my old home. So um, I guess I'm an accidental landlord to a degree. But that uh, produces about 4000 in cash flow every year, uh, additional income for. So those are our top three. And then uh, hopefully one day uh, we can start tapping into investments as well. And that'll be a, a fourth income stream for us. Awesome. So as you're running your businesses, are you pretty much from home or have you ever had a, an office to go to? How are you kind of handling the uh, the day-to-day -day work? Yeah, because I have two businesses, I have to physically separate myself. So I, at, I'm at home on Mondays and Fridays working on PT Money, my blog. And then um, 
uh, I go into a co-working space Tuesday through Thursday and meet with my event planner. She lives here locally as well. And we work on the conference for those three days. Uh, so that's kind of how it works out. And that, that physical separation really helps to create a, a time block in my head where I can switch between both businesses. Since you're a CPA or a former practicing CPA, you know a mm-hmm. lot about taxes and um, kind of the uh, administrative part of running a business. Talk to me a little bit about some of the benefits that you're getting maybe from uh, having a home office and maybe the types of expenses that you're deducting that maybe the ordinary person wouldn't think to deduct. Certainly, uh, with a home office, because I am self-employed, uh, I know there's the the laws have changed, and I'm not up on it too much. But I know in 2018, I think uh, em- employed folks won't be able to take the uh, at-home deduction, That's right. uh, office deduction. Yeah, but uh, for self-employed folks, we still get that, and so certainly I take that, um, and uh, also you know have a phone dedicated to my business that I. Uh, deduct expenses for. Let's see what else. Uh, we have rent, of course, at the at the co-working space that we deduct uh, all my business travel and uh, meals, uh, time meeting with other um, business owners to talk about my business, um, time meeting with my CPA. Um, and then there's some small expenses associated with the uh, rental property, which is just across town. But inevitably, I make some car trips over there um, every year. And so there's some expenses associated with that. So I can't think of any like super ninja tricks that I'm doing right now. Uh, we certainly have a lot of expenses with both businesses. Um, but, uh, for the most part, they're, they're necessary and, uh, and ordinary as the IRS would say, and, um, and, and hopefully helping us to achieve a better bottom line ultimately. And did you hear that? The CPA goes to a CPA. I love it. Everybody, everybody <laughs> needs a good accountant, right? That's right. That's right. I'm out of the game, really. So it's, it's good to have someone else to, to talk to uh, about those ideas and issues. If somebody's just getting started, what do you think about having separate checking accounts and from your, your home and business and incorporating? Are there any kind of rules of thumb you'd recommend? Yeah, that's, that's the first thing I would do before business cards, before anything. Just go get a separate checking account. It just keeps it clean. Uh, super easy to analyze what's going on with your business, and it's simple to do. I mean, most places will give you a free checking account if you jump through a few hoops, and so uh, just simple, simple. Even if you have to do an online one, uh, just get that get that separate account going. Uh, you know, if you're funding it with a small amount, do that. Uh, but then that's where you'll collect payment. That's where you'll you know make your your payments out of. It just keeps everything super. Uh, neat and clean. Uh, so at the end of the year, you'll be real thankful, regardless of if the thing ends up getting really big, but uh, you'll never have to worry about separating it out uh, at any other time. So from the start, yeah, uh, that's 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 one big thing I always try to encourage folks to do. And then incorporating, do you feel like people are okay as a sole proprietor for a little while? Is there anything in your mind that says, okay, this is a red flag when you need to incorporate a certain level of money or liability or, or anything that that some folks should should think about for incorporating sooner rather than later? Uh, to me, it all comes around. It, it all comes down to how substantial the business is. I mean, I think if you're making over 10K a year and if you're, uh, 
And if you're doing that consistently for more than a year, I think you should probably look to incorporate. So that's kind of the rule of thumb, I would say. Um, I don't know. I've never dealt with a business that really ramped up faster than that. I'm a bootstrapper myself, so I start slow <laughs> and uh, don't spend a lot of money initially. But uh, I'm sure there are businesses that ramp up quicker and would need to consider a quicker timeline. But uh, for the most part, yeah, within a year, uh, you know, I, I think that's okay. It's Even if you do file and get your LLC, it's still all going to go to the Schedule C anyway. And so, uh, you know, it's not going to be much different. Do you think that passive income, the term passive income, is a myth? Do you think the owner can be completely passive when it comes to running a business? Completely passive, no. But I would say as close as, as possible to that, yes. Um, and I would say that if you're working in a business, if you're working on a business that you're not going to be able to remove yourself from like that one day, um, you're probably, you know, running up the wrong ladder. So every business in my mind that I would want to start, it would be something that um, if I'm if I'm not passionate about it one day, I'm able to really step away from it and have a team, employee, someone uh, do do 95 percent of the work. Um, so, yes, I mean, I think most people if you're going to scale a business, if you're going to get to you know, big time wealth with, with something you're building. Uh, scale is, is a is a factor you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have to learn to serve a larger number of people. And to do that, you know, oftentimes that means you pulling yourself out of the practitioner role, putting your you know manager hat on and then becoming the executive hat. And then even, you know, as the business even gets bigger, you sort of, you know, being out of that equation even. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm even considering that. I'm in the executive, quote unquote, of FinCon right now. But uh you know, I would see my, I could see myself becoming really just a consultant for the business at some point. It's because it's getting so big and sort of above my pay grade. That's great. Yeah, I think a lot of people have passive income as a goal, but they get into business and it ends up being a lot more work than they thought. So mm-hmm. it, do, it does depend, you know, even having rental property, I've had rental income for, for decades. There have been times where I've been more involved and then there have been years where I've had a property manager yeah. doing all the work. I definitely recommend the property mm-hmm. manager route. Um, if you can afford it. And so, you know, that that can become passive if you really focus on, like you said, making that the goal of the business. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people have to kind of step back and really make sure that you know, they're getting into things with the correct expectation. There's really not many things that you can just sort of flip the switch and have it just earn income <laughs> with, without you, you know, putting right. time and effort into it. So, hey, yes. And from the start, I've poured my life and soul and blood and tears into both my businesses. And so, yes, I mean, I've a ton, but, you know, worked way more than I guess, uh, and at least initially than in my time <laughs> was worth. And so, yeah, I agree. It's at first, you know, nothing's passive. Are there some businesses that you've seen people get into that really don't cost much to start that have allowed them to be successful? Yeah. I like the businesses that that are the freelance version of the full business. So if you want to be and, you know, potentially an author one day, you want to own a publishing company or um, then start as a freelance writer. I mean, it's really easy to kind of get into the freelance version of whatever job or career or business you eventually want to own. And so that's what I always try to point people toward. Um, And that uh, that, of course, trades your time for money initially, but it allows you to really develop appreciation for that skill and get really good at that thing. And then as you think about a business around that area, whether it's writing or whether it's 
uh, cooking or whether any, any kind of service, um, and a business around that area, then you will be, uh, you'll be well equipped to be the manager, owner, operator of that business because you really know it from inside out. So start as a freelancer and then kind of work your way up to figure out how to own that business. PT, where can listeners go to find out more about you, your blog, your podcast, anything else you've got going on? Yeah. And if, if folks are really encouraged to try a, a part-time business or side hustle, I would encourage them to go find my old podcast on iTunes, the part-time money podcast. And I interview entrepreneurs about how they got started with their part-time uh, side hustle. And so encourage folks to check that out. Of course, ptmoney.com has lots of resources. In fact, today we just, uh, or this week, we just launched an article on 18 legit work from home uh, jobs. You can start with uh, with no fee. Uh, and so we got some content like that on the site that folks would enjoy. That's ptmoney.com. And you can contact me personally on Twitter at ptmoney. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been great chatting with you. And I think uh, listeners will get a lot of insight about where to get started with their business ideas. Thanks, Laura. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with PT. He's a really great guy. Thanks so much for downloading the show. Keep listening, learning, and leveraging your resources to grow richer every single day. And remember, if starting a business is something you want to do to create more freedom and pursue your passions, remember to download the free Business Tax Toolkit by texting Tax Tool to the number 33444 and subscribe to my weekly email. Each week, I send out a free short email filled with tips, tools, and recommendations that I think you might enjoy. To get it, just text get updates with no space to that same number, 33444. Got a money question, feedback about the show, or ideas for future episodes? Visit lauradadams.com to email me. I can't respond to every email that I get, but I promise you that I do read all of them, and they definitely influence the direction of the show, so please keep them coming. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week, courtesy of Money Girl, your guide to a richer life. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.